Hey, I'm wound up today, so I don't know where this thing's going, but it might be a wild ride, okay? So everybody put their seatbelt on today, but uh, it's Christmas time, and there is a lot of joy to be had in the room, and today we get to talk about joy. So let me, let me start with where I'm supposed to start today, okay? Recently, uh, I was driving through the neighborhoods around my house, and uh, I noticed a display that was up in a person's yard, okay? It's something like this. Have you, have you seen a joy display like this in people's yards, okay? I think you can buy it at Lowe's. I'm not sure where you can get it. But what's interesting is uh, what, what you may not be able to, we can kind of see there are these little lines. So all these, all these letters, they kind of come together. You have to put them together in order to put up the display. And I drove by this day. I was in a hurry, so I couldn't get a picture of it. So when I drove by and the O was broken, you know, like it had got put together and blown apart or something like that. And, you know, everything in my life is a sermon illustration, Right? Right? Yeah, so I was like, oh, it's broken joy, you know, get it? Broke, broke, broke. So I want to talk to you about broken joy today because I think this season is when people have broken joy. So let me just tell you, in case you're not sure of this, because you, you may see sightings of broken joy this season, whether you're, uh, you know, driving through a, a parking lot or whether you're sitting around the Christmas tree with family. I don't know where you're going to see broken joy, but it shows up once in a while. I was out taking my wife around to uh, do some returns, get all the Christmas gifts taken care of. And so I went to a, a large retail store just outside of the mall recently. And as you know, during this season, a lot of people are driving and showing up at stores, right? So the parking lots get crowded. And so what I often do is I usually try and find a spot where I can see the door and then I can kind of swoop in and pick my wife up and we can kind of, we can knock this stuff out. You know what I'm saying? So I go to the end, and I, I see the door that she went in, and, and as I come around, I see a guy like me. You know, he's sitting in his big truck. I can tell he's listening to the music, maybe watching a football game on his phone, whatever. And I kind of nod. I kind of give him the, yeah, what's up, dog? You know, I kind of do that thing, you know, because he's feeling what I'm feeling, you know. And so as I'm coming around, though, I can, it just feels like the, like the aisle is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And there's this person. Uh, that's backing out in their SUV, okay? Now, I think that I've given them plenty of space, okay? I've given probably uh, 30 feet, but we, we make eye contact. Uh, and, and I just need you to know that Schaffner's laugh and giggle when things get awkward. So if, you ever, if you're ever really upset and you say something maybe strong to me and I laugh at you, I'm not a jerk, okay? My grandmother gave me that genetic gift. I just, that's me internally saying, whoa, we got a live one here. That's what I'm saying at that point, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm in my truck. What up, dog? Spending my time here, and this, this person is, is backing out. And they look at me, and I can tell that they're frustrated. I, maybe they didn't have the toy that they needed to buy. Maybe somebody was rude in this. I'm not sure what's going on. But they have a, what seems to be uh, one of their children with them, you know, and that child is probably late middle school, high school. And I, I tell you that because what I'm going to say is adult content is what happened in that car. You know, she's, they're backing out, right? And I see that the glance goes towards me, the glance goes towards their child, and all of a sudden I see head bobbing and mouth going, and I'm like, wow, that's either one really big piece of gum or they're really upset. You know what I'm saying? And so they turn towards me, and they, they pull their car over to get closer to me, and then they lean into their window, and I'm sure they said, bless you, Pastor Danny, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. So, so I rolled down the window and just blew him a kiss because I thought, you know, no, nah, I didn't do that. 
But I'm just going to tell you, if you ever do that to me, I'm not laughing with you. I'm laughing at you at that point, okay? But that was my sighting of broken joy. Have you seen it? Have you been it? Were you the one in the car? Because if you go to church here, let me just tell you, you're welcome here because everybody's as jacked up as you. So welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're here because broken joy happens all the time in our lives. But why? Why? Because when, when broken joy shows up, we, we have to admit and confess that we've lost perspective about what really matters. About that the season is not about what we're going to exchange. It's about what God has already given that the season is not the perfection of the schedule or the performance of the pudding. The season is about the Christ child, that Jesus gave his life, that we might know the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. And because of that, as Christ followers, there is an anchored truth that we live in and live on. That it is the, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are transformed. We are not who we used to be, and we are becoming who God has always intended us to be. But when your joy is broken, let's be honest, people, we lose perspective, don't we? Kay Warren wrote a book years ago called Choose Joy. She wrote it after the death of her son. Here's what she says about joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control in all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice, the determined choice to praise God in all things. What an incredibly profound truth. That's not happiness. That's joy. Because joy is anchored in an eternal truth that Jesus Christ is our hope. We've been in this Advent season, and we've kind of defined Advent here for our discussions as a season of waiting and preparation for the expectation of hope to come. We talk about this return of Jesus Christ that we're all anticipating that Christ has come, and now we wait again for his arrival. We've spent the last few weeks actually uh, doing devotionals through Facebook, where we've tried to post a word each day and some scripture to kind of help you prepare your thoughts, because this, this idea of preparing him room is that it's not just for the season, it's out of our life that we need to do that. And so we also and want to encourage you to, to think about as you're preparing him room, as you're celebrating this Advent season, to, to finish strong in this series and be with us, Chris, be with us at Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock and 5.30. Bring friends, bring family, bring your enemies, bring whoever you like. But the reality is we're going to gather together, and let's be honest, as family, it's one of our favorite times, isn't it? The candles get lit at the end, and everybody kind of sings a little bit louder, and be there. Join us, and let's have Christmas Eve together. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will. We're going to look at a passage today out of Psalm chapter 98. Now, some of you are going, okay, so we're, we're in a Christmas season. Why are we going to the Old Testament? Why are we going to the Psalms? Well, uh, Psalm 98 is a unique psalm because it's actually the psalm or the song 
that is the inspiration for the song Joy to the World. We, sing, we sang that song this morning, right? And it's from the reading of this passage. Now, Psalm 98 is written well before the birth of Jesus and is the anticipation of what God has done and what God is doing, what God is going to do through the person of Jesus and the generations that come. Now, when we read Psalm 98, we read it with back lenses, right? We write it with hindsight 2020 because we know that Jesus has come. We know that the Messiah has come. And so when we read a passage like this, we hear the expectant hope, but we see the forward future of what God is doing in that moment. Here's what it says, starting in Psalm 98, verse 1. It says this, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and has revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen salvation, seen the salvation of our God. Now, the writer of this psalm, this song, is trying to, trying to give us a reason for why we have joy. When you think about the world that we're a part of, when you think about the life that we have, we all should have joy. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes we don't think that way, do we? So the psalmist calls for, calls for let's, let's sing a new song. Let's not keep living out the same anthem in our head that we've been. Let's sing something new. And maybe that's where some of us are as we head into the new year, that we need to think about new things. We need to sing about great things. We need to be reminded what God has done, that this year is now going to be an anthem for his new work in us. But he's calling the nation Israel back to say, remember, remember where we've been. We think about the exodus. We think about uh, the men of God that have stood up and helped lead Israel out of captivity and into new opportunities. And God's salvation and work has been in their history. And as they read that, they're no doubt being reminded, this wasn't something we did. This wasn't by our might or strategy or power. This has always been God's work, God's story, and God's glory, right? And that truth for Israel is the same truth for us. When we look back on our lives, so much of where we've been and who we are is about what God has been doing in the world around us. His plan, his story, his glory for us. And so when we think about joy this morning, we need to think about it this way. That joy is known by looking back, but it's expressed by moving forward. Meaning it's difficult to have joy to go, yeah, that was the day it used to be, or that's the way it was, right? Because the, if you only look back, you kind of get frozen in time, don't you? But joy in recognizing what God has been doing in your life should begin to propel you into your future with such confidence. God has been there. God has done these things. Even in the darkest moments of my life, I know that God was there. And now I step into a future with great confidence that God is with me and for me. We look back on what God has made known. He's made known his plan of salvation, that God is a redeemer and will send one, Jesus, on our behalf. We look back with his steadfast love and his faithfulness. His character has been proven over history. And the truth of the matter is, when we think about joy, we have a lot to be thankful about and joyful about when we think about all that God has done in our lives. So if Maybe I'll pause and ask you today, you know, what do you have to be joyful about? 
Some of you might be a little mopey, bah humbug, it's been a rough year. I, I get that. We have bad years. But if you call yourself a Christ follower, if you believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you have claimed that forgiveness of sins for yourself and you are standing in the confidence that it's his death, his burial, his work to save us, then that should be enough for our joy. Period. Not about whether we got the promotion. Not about whether we got the credit. Not about whether our best laid plans worked out the way we wanted. But that we're anchored in the reality that God's work, God's will, God's way has been active, transformative in our lives. That's the marvelous gift of salvation that each of us have a chance to share. Verse 4 goes on and it says this, Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of singing and trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn or the shofar, which was an instrument they used back in the day. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. This is a great invitation. On one hand, we're given the reason why to have joy. Now the psalmist is saying, so come on, let's get some of it. Let's get after it. Let's be excited about what God has done. And so there's kind of a, you can almost kind of feel like we have gotten into the huddle and the psalmist says, come on, we're going to break out in song. We're going to explode. We're going to celebrate. Now some of you, some of you aren't feeling that, okay? So let me just put this in real man's terms, okay? Let's say, for instance, it's Big Ten football season, Right? And we're at a home game, and we're playing a top 10 team in Wisconsin, right? And let's just say the, the boys dug deep, and they found a way to win, and the game gets over, and we all go, hey, uh, should we go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get some wings? No. How do you think the community responds? Or let's just say that it's Big Ten basketball season and we're just getting started and Big Bad Michigan decides that they're going to come into the house. And so they come strolling up, you know, baggy shorts and all. They're bringing their game and we start filling the buckets. We put the ball in the basket. We win a game. Now, how do you think the community is going to respond? Well, hey, that was a, that was a nice game. I think I'm going to go to get down to game day spirit and I'm going to go get me a jersey. That, that, that was a great game. Do you guys remember this fall? Coaches kept their jobs, right? Facebook exploded, right? Now, I get college sports. Come on now. There's, I, I love my college sports. But the psalmist is saying, friends, friends, if you have a relationship with God, if you have seen God work in your life, you should be a waiting flash mob hoping to happen every time God moves in your life. But are we? Maybe some of you are going, well, if I have to worship God, do I, do I have to worship? I mean, that, that's not my personality. That's not who I am. And I just want to say this. No, you don't have to worship in big and demonstrative ways. This is just my personal opinion. But I do think your joy for Jesus should be greater than the team you cheer for. That may have gone from preaching to meddling, but I'm just saying, eternal salvation or title, salvation. That's, that's, that's where my vote is, right? See, it shouldn't be a have to. It should be a want to. 
It should be a situation where we look at our lives and we say, God, this is who we are. And so the challenge becomes that we have to realize that not only is there a reason for our joy, but there's an invitation for us to have joy. And so as we look back, we have some understanding about the person that we used to be. I've said this a million times, right? 20-year-old Danny is not 48-year-old Danny, and I thank Jesus every day for that, right? I'm thankful that 47-year-old Danny is now transformed into 48-year-old Danny, let alone to go back to those days when I had long hair and a mullet and an earring, and God bless me, I was, I was attractive people. I'm just saying, I was a struggle point for a lot of people in this world. Thank God that's done. God removed my thorn. I'm sorry, Kyle. I am so wound up today. I'm so wound up today. I'm thankful. But this invitation is to praise before the king, to come to God, to be able to stand before him. Because praise, praise is nice, external, but we oftentimes praise what's in front of us. Whether we're saying thank you to a loved one or giving encouragement to a family member. It's in that relationship. And the psalmist is saying, you know what? Come before God with great confidence to rejoice, to celebrate, to make it known. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 reminds us, reminds us of this truth. We can boldly approach the throne of God. I mean, think about this. This is in a context where we all, we all know, right? You know, that going into the king wasn't just like kick open the door and saying, what's up, king? You know, it was you were invited into that. Or to enter into the king's room without invitation was to risk your life. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, because of the death of Jesus, we now have bold confidence to go in and approach God through prayer, through our life, through our walk. Literally, Scripture says that we get to call him Abba Father. We get to call him Daddy. There's no fear before God. Friends, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. We all worship someone or something. And if it's not Jesus the King, it's Jesus, or it's King fill in the blank. For some of us, that blank could be our job, our wallet, right? King self, king spouse, king money, king kids, king presents, king sex, king sports team. King fitness, king grades, king success, king schedule. I mean, we all have our vices. We all have our things that we're prone to shift towards. Why does it matter? Why does it matter who rules and reigns in our hearts? Because there's two common problems that happen. When we start talking about joy, and especially in this season, one problem is, we let others steal our joy, don't we? We gather around the Christmas tree, and that crazy uncle or that, you know, that family member that drives you nuts, you just stew and you get all worked up, and you let others steal your joy, but your, your joy is not contingent on the people or circumstances around you. Or you make your joy all about ourselves, right? I want my way. Well, this is what I'm thinking of. Christmas has to be this. Christmas has to be that. It's, I hope I get this gift. We make, And when we let others rob us of our joy, 
And when we rob ourselves by making joy about us, we miss out on the greatest gift, which is joy is only about Jesus. It's his gift to us. This was, here's what it says in verse 7. Let the sea resound and everything, everything in it, uh, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. There's a reason for joy. There's an invitation for joy, but there's also this, there's something that we need to remember because there's a result that happens when joy plays out. Christ will return. Jesus will return one day and we will be judged by his righteousness. Not our good works, not our best efforts, and not by the way that we vote or how much money we have in our wallet. We will be judged, all of us, by the righteousness of Jesus. For those of us that call ourselves Christ followers who have taken claim to this gift of Jesus, we have confidence that we will stand before God, assured, hopeful for this moment. Sometimes people read a verse like that, that he will judge the world in its righteousness and the peoples with equity, and some people think all they see is a big club, right? Oh, God, God he's going to... This is a psalm. This is a praise. Because those of us that have a relationship with God should be like, this is awesome. This is the day they hand out the championship rings. This is the time my, my name goes up in the circle of the Hall of Fame that I'm actually on this. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. It is a declaration that this is the hope that we are assured of. That God has been at work and God has been faithful. But we get confused between happiness and joy, don't we? You can be joyful and happy. You can be. But you can be happy, but not joyful. You can, uh, you can be happy and not joyful, but you can be joyful and not happy, which is weird too, right? They don't have to coexist together. Oftentimes when we think about the difference between happiness and joy, what we're talking about is just uh, happiness is kind of this temporary happening to me. It's the circumstances. If everything around me is the way that I want, then I'm going to be happy. And our world pushes for that. When we talk about joy, we're talking about this continual relationship with God. Where come hell or high water, we stand with joy because of what God has done. Let me, let me say it maybe this way. Happiness is found in the things that can be taken from us. Joy is found in the things that cannot be taken from us. Does that make sense? In happiness, you can add or take away and, and, and our... Our happiness fluctuates. I'm more happy than what I was. Now I'm really happy. Now, I, and, oh, now, now I'm not happy at all. But joy, as a choice before God, because of our relationship with him, is a foundation of trust and hope built on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That eternity has shifted in our favor because God has given his love on our behalf. Happiness is a result, but joy is a choice. Happiness is temporary. It's temporary stuff, successes, and the results of my own work and merit. Joy is eternal. It's an identity. It trusts. It's results of what God has done. 
Joy is found in hope of what we have received. Happiness? Happiness is present. It's now. Joy is resting in the reminders and the promises of God that he was, he is, and he will always be who he has been. So, man, how do we begin to apply this? I think we need to remember the reason for our joy, don't we? Take a moment and just think about who were you before you gave your life to Christ? I think we need to remember to respond with joy in all circumstances. And we, we need to remember the results that joy is at work around us, that God is working in us and through us as a part of our lives. Psalm 40 verse 5 says it this way. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders, the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you, God. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. What I love about what the psalmist says is this. How does the world come to know who Jesus is? How does the world come to know this joy found in Jesus? Through us. It's through us. At home, at work, at play, it's the reality of a relationship with Jesus maturing us to the point that we're not driven by our emotions, we're not driven by the, the temporary things around us, but we are anchored in a truth that is found in him. Let's move to our time of response. So we've had a bit of a humorous morning this morning, right? My question for you is, is your joy broken? Is your joy broken? Some of us have yet to celebrate Christmas, right? Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're dreading it a little bit. Maybe you know there's always this one faux pas that happens with family in the holidays. Your joy is broken. Maybe you're just tired of the hustle and bustle of the media blitz. Everything's on sale, and Black Friday goes on for months, right? I mean, what is the right price anymore? I mean, they're giving stuff away now just to get you in their store. Maybe some of us, our joy is broken because, well, maybe somebody said something on Facebook Maybe somebody said something in the hallway. Maybe a decision got made beyond your control. But today is a great day to, to fix that joy. Israel Houghton sings a song. Jesus at the center. It's a very simple chorus. We've sung it here at a church a few years ago. It's just this idea of Jesus at the center of it all. And I think while some of us spend so much time trying to make sure we have the, the right relationship on our arm, the right vehicle that we drive, 
the right piece of property owned, the right status at our job. We, we, we keep trying to gather these things to ourselves as if somehow that's going to complete us, that's going to make us right. And unless Jesus is at the center of it all, we will find everything of this world to be a passing, fleeting, temporary goal. Why? Because if happiness was what our, we, our lives were built for, our children would stop asking for Christmas presents, wouldn't they? Because they have what they want. But I've never met a child who said, Mom, Dad, I don't want anything this year. I'm so happy. No. Because as children, we learn this gathering. We learn this taking things for ourselves and identifying ourselves and who we are from the generation ahead of us. Jesus at the center of it all. That would be our prayer, wouldn't it? Of my life, of my family, of my work, my school, my career. My, Jesus at the center of it all. And so what does that look like for you today? For some of us, it's heading into Christmas knowing that We've already declared Christmas 20, or 2019 as a hashtag fake it till we make it. We're dreading standing in front of our in-laws, smiling like everything's okay at our home. What, what, what would it be like? So the way that the two of you could, could talk about Jesus at the center again, unlock a door could it start a conversation some of us are really just sitting here in this moment going God I've had a relation with relationship with you for years and I've maybe never really experienced joy maybe there's some confrontation that needs to happen this year in the priorities of our life maybe we really need to define who is the king of our hearts what are the areas that continue to take priority over, over my relationship with God? Whatever it is, friends, broken joy can be restored. It's as simple as that. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to set up what we're going to do in the next part of our service. Let's pray. God, my heart breaks because I know how joy has been broken in my life at different times. And every time it has, <laughs> it seems more often than not, it, joy was broken over my knee because of what I wanted. I made joy about myself joy about my comfort, joy about my popularity, joy about my influence, joy about my wants, joy about, joy about me. 
So God, today, may we all confess that when our joy is broken, what we need to do is put you at the center of our lives once again. God, there are, there are several in this room, though, that joy has been their anchor. Through wins and losses, through the good and bad, God, they have stood on a foundation, a legacy of generations that has trusted your will and your ways. Not that they haven't doubted, not that they haven't struggled, not that they haven't sinned, but they've continued to put you at the center of their lives. And, and God, I, I commend those friends, those family members that have stood faithful before you. But God, even when we make the joy about ourselves, or even when we hang our joy on the faithfulness of others, it pales in comparison to who you've been. The God of creation, of all of humanity, to have sent yourself to die on a cross, God in flesh, Emmanuel, that you would pay the price for our sins, that you would give us new life found in you. God, it's you. And it's only in you where we find our joy made complete. So God, work in us, transform us. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to transition into our response time as a group. What that means for our congregation is that we're going to have an invitation for people to be able to, to respond to what maybe God is doing in this moment. Some people will come forward and they will pause to pray. There are benches up at the front of the stage and you will see people come and take a knee and just pause for a moment. Some will be celebrating. Some will be, some may be asking God for forgiveness. Some may be repenting. But friends and family members, we, we pause to pray before God. Some will go to a time of communion. Now, communion in many Christian churches are practiced in different ways. Our church invites anyone who believes in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to come and eat. There are these pieces of bread and there are these cups of juice. We have them there to remind us that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. The night before he was ultimately betrayed and led to the cross, he gave a picture, a reality, that it would be his death and burial and resurrection for us. And so there are six tables around the room. We encourage those on the outsides to go to the, to the tables on the sides. And those of us in the middle to either go to the front or to the back. But you'll have a chance to go and to eat the bread and to drink the juice. And it, it will say this that I am celebrating what God has done, but I am commemorating, meaning I am making real to my life, remembering how God anchored my joy so that I can now walk in a newness with him. So as you go and do that, whether as an individual, as a family, or as a couple, that's the point. And then many of us will respond through the given response boxes, whether it's a prayer request, on our connection card or a next step faith and decision that you're making. Some of us will grab the Give app or the offering envelope and we'll give. And may I encourage every one of us to give. 
What a tangible way for us to say when the world is pushing further and further away from God, that we would say we want to be an agent of change on God's behalf. We want to see the hope of Jesus shared with the world. We want it to be real in our life, and we want to push into momentum all the things that God's doing through our church and through our community.